0: Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good to see you. Just so you know, family business. Um, Johan and Marlies and family get back today. And I think Heath and Tab's tomorrow. Sylvia? Tomorrow. Yeah, so we all, the, all our scattered beings are returning here and some of you have been scattered, and I hope you've had good holidays, and ready, as Juan said, ready for school on Tuesday. So we are studying the book of Colossians. So if I had to summarize each chapter so far, chapter one, I would say, set Christ in his rightful place, Lord of his creation, Lord of his family, the one who Forgives us, the one who reconciles us with the Father. Chapter 2 says, watch out for false teaching. Yes, there are churches that are teaching false things. How do I know I read the Bible? Does it line up with what the Bible says? No, it's an extra revelation. End of Revelation says, do not add anything to this word. So there are no extra revelations. Three, which is the chapter we're on now, is we'll live the Christian life. You know who Christ is. You've been careful of what is being said in the name of God and is not true. So now live the Christian life. And what did we do last week? Nothing. Oh dear, what did we do last week? Put on and put off. Put off the evil stuff. Put off what is not of God. Put on what is of God. And so today, we are getting carrying on with chapter 3. You can turn there. And now Paul gets right into our personal spaces. If he hasn't already mm, made you feel a little uncomfortable, be prepared to let the Holy Spirit and Paul, through the writing of Paul, make us think about the way we live our lives. So we're in chapter 3, verse 18, to chapter 4, verse 1. Let's read it together. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, or as the King James says, as is the right thing to do. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh or bitter with them. Children, obey your parents in just some of the things. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, Do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, next chapter, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So how do you feel as I read that? Yah, 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 I've heard this a thousand times. Submit, submit, love, love, obey, obey, gosh, Now we have to hear it all over again. Yes, you do. And last year I did preach the same text from Ephesians. Or you're thinking, you know what? I've had the church shove this down my throat. I'm sick of it. I'm bailing out. I'm sick of it, sick of it, sick of it. Or you're saying, excuse me, Lainey, I'm not a husband. I am not a wife. I'm no longer in my household. I'm not a slave. I'm not a master. So what on earth have you got to say to me today? Or, You're challenged by the secular people in our marketplace, in our homes, in our places that we go, who say the Bible, based on this scripture, is sexist. How can the Bible not condemn slavery? So if you are in any of those categories, my prayer right now, and I'm going to pray, let's pray. Holy Father, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord God when I come to your word lightly, when I dismiss it in any way because I think it's not applicable to me. God, I pray for myself and I pray for every person here that we will say, and we say it, Jesus, come Holy Spirit, change me, provoke me, unsettle me that I might become more like you. Thank you for your word, Holy Father. Thank you for your word. Amen. And all the people said, Amen. So we need context here. And it's very important in Scripture, especially in pa- passages like this, to get a good context. So if we were look first, husbands and wives, in the time that Paul is writing, in the Jewish culture, The woman was the possession of the husband. The wife was the possession of the husband. Like his fields or his house or his material things. She was a possession. She had no legal rights whatsoever. She could not divorce her husband. He could divorce her at any time on a whim. Don't feel like it. Goodbye. There were actually three reasons, interesting enough, when you read the Old Testament when they could divorce, a woman could. And that was, hear it, ladies. If your husband has leprosy, if your husband is is apostate, in many other words, he turns away from God, or he ravishes a virgin, on those three grounds only, you may divorce your husband. (laughs) That was the law at this time. In the Greek culture, also at that, that was what it was at, where Paul is writing into, same thing more or less. A wife, a respectable wife, was never seen And never heard. She stayed in her own quarters. She never even was allowed to go to the marketplace. She just was in her quarters to look after her household. The husband as well could do anything he liked. He could go out whenever he liked. He could have as many affairs and liaisons with other women as he liked. And the law said, it's fine. So into this context, Paul is writing So we see that the husbands have all the rights and all the privileges. The women have all the duties. What about children? Very scary time. In the ancient world, they were under the domination of the father. Because we know the woman had no status, they were essentially under the domination of the father. There was a rule called the Roman patria potestas, which was the law of the father's power. He could do whatever he liked with his child. His child. He could sell that child into slavery. He could put the child to work like a slave in his own home. He could sentence the child to death and carry out the execution under the law. That is what Paul is speaking into. Again, all the privileges and rights belong to the parent, to the father, all the duties to the child. Master and slave, very similar. Slave was a thing. Owned by the master, again, the master could do with as he wishes. I think last week I mentioned that he could starve his slave if he wanted to. He could kill his slave. If a slave had a child... While under, in, in slavery, that child belonged to the master. Like a, like a sheep has a, a lamb, you know, the lamb belongs to the owner of the sheep. So if you as a slave had a child, your child belongs to the master. It not yours. Again, all the privileges and rights belong to the master. All the duties belong to the slave. And if you look at this, there are... Three groups of three sections of people who have all the power. And three groups of people who have no power. They are powerless. And I want to suggest you why I say this is applicable to us all, because we all are in relationships where there is often an imbalance of power. Isn't it? Think of your work situation, think of your home situation. There are always, every single one of us, very rarely do you have equal power. It might be power in the form of your sexuality. It might be power in the form of your, degree, of your education, whatever. But can you see why we can all consider this text and see what is Paul is writing, even if we are not one of the three separate um, instances? You with me? Can you all relate and see what I'm saying? The first thing that we want to talk about is the ethic of love. This game of power in life, and it's everywhere, this game of power is turned inside out, upside down, by the love of Christ. The love of Christ is not some theoretical thing in the Bible. The love of Christ should be affecting my day-to-day living, my life in my home, my life at work, my life with my friends. That ethic of love, is it impacting us? Is it impacting us? Or is it something we just well, one day in heaven, la, we'll all be loving everybody? But not now. Not, it is now. And if you strip away the roles in this passage, so strip away the husband, wife, slave, master, child, parent, what do we have? We have submissive love. We have sacrificial love. We have gentle love. We have obedient love. We have hardworking, diligent love. And we have a love that expects, looks for justice and fairness and what is right. That's what this passage is speaking into, that type of love. Do I, do you have that type of love? And if you look at Jesus, he demonstrates in his life every single one of those loves. He was submissive to the Father. He says, I do not do anything but what the Father tells me to do. His sacrificial love over and over, but ultimately in laying down his life physically for us. A gentle love. He dealt with people gently. He didn't just discard them. You think of, there's so many, but think of the Samaritan woman. He dealt with her gently. Someone who was below him, a Samaritan and a woman, but he dealt with her gently. He listened to her. He heard her. You think of a hard-working love. Jesus didn't slack around. It tells us over and over again how he had to retire with his disciples, to give them all a rest, because they were working constantly on demand from people. Those of you who work with people, we all work with people, but you know what I mean when you're into sort of those direct people relationships, when teachers, what happens? You constantly drain because someone's like sucking it out of you all the time. That's what it was like for Jesus. But he hard, he pushed in. He worked hard. And I could go on, but of those examples, can you see Jesus has given us this ethic love he has demonstrated his love for us and at the beginning of chapter three what did we read we read we read i am risen with christ my life is hidden in christ choose things that are above not below so god jesus is saying come on this i expect you to obey me i expect you to be christ-like and in this context today in your power, in your relationships, your power relationships, whether you are the powerless or whether you are the powerful. How do we do? So let's look at the powerless. Oh, just one more thing I need to say. When you read the commentaries in my my knowledge and life, the specific things that Paul addresses, and that is obviously put out by the Holy Spirit, are the things that we fail most in in that relationship, the thing that we neglect the most, the thing that is the hardest to do. Because obviously as wives, as husbands, as children, there's lots of things we need to be doing. But Paul's putting his finger right there. Eh, you know when it's sore and you put your, point, your finger on that point? That's what Paul's doing in the Scripture So let's look at the powerless. It is amazing in the context that I just explained about the time when Paul wrote this, that he addresses wives, children, slaves. He doesn't ignore them. He's addressing them directly. In other words, in the church, he's saying, you guys are important. I'm writing to you. Are you hearing me? That He expected them to be hearing the letters when they were written. He expected them to be in the congregation. That in itself is unbelievable in the context in which it was written. And it's interesting, to see, nine verses, six times, you can go and count it. Some God just showed me, yeah, but six times, Paul uses the word Lord. Kyrios is the Greek behind it. And it's the equivalent of Yahweh in the Old Testament. You know how we have the names of God? So Lord, when you see Lord in the New Testament, it's like Yahweh in the Old Testament. And it means the mighty one. The, power, the one with the power, the ruler, the one who has all the rights and all the authority. And if you go back and read it, you will notice that every time he uses that word, he's addressing the powerless that again, every time he uses Lord, the mighty one, the one who has all the rights, he's addressing the powerless. Why? Because in your situation, and, th- and again, think of then and think of now, I don't react, wife, submit, because my husband is the most wonderful person and because he loves me from the beginning to the end. I don't react as a child because my parents are such good parents and they do it so well. I do not obey. I do not submit because of that. I submit, I obey because I'm doing it for Jesus. So there's no excuse. You don't understand my situation. I do. If you love Jesus, he's calling us to a a higher level. So let's look specifically. One more thing before we look specifically, I want to say there is a mutual obligation. There is a mutual responsibility. In every relationship, the power every relationship, not just the ones we're speaking about, we do not ask, you owe me. What do you owe me? What must I get out of this? We ask, what do I owe you? Hard. Hard. <laughs> Here's my poor husband. <laughs> Think about that. Not only the specific relationships. In our power relationships, what can I put into this? What can I give in? Not what can I get out of it. So specifically, wives submit this does not mean male domination and female suppression. It does not mean that. What does it mean? Your Hard thing, but just in my context, because I am a wife, have been a wife for 35-ish years. Have I got this right most of the time? No. Do I try and get it right? Yes. Parents is placed, my husband, those of you who don't know us, is placed as the leader, as my leader. Who by? By God. What does that mean? That means in every discussion, every decision that we need to make, notice, we need to make, in love, so I'm addressing a bit the the male responsibility, husband responsibility. Can I say... This is for husbands and wives, and this is for you who want to get married and you're single. Please get this right. He is appointed as the leader. But in every discussion, every decision that we make, he in love engages me. Here's my opinion. Here's my feelings. Here's my needs. At the final you know, end point... Because he is the God-appointed leader, he makes the final decision. But hear me, men. It is not a trump card. It is not, well, whoa, whoa, it's tough for you. I've heard you out, but we're doing it my way. That's not what it means. Because husbands, future husbands, you will answer to God how you dealt with your wife. How you responded to her needs and to her feelings. You will answer to God for the way that you dealt with it. Also, note it doesn't say, wives submit because your husband gets it right. Uh, uh. Even if he draws it up as a trump card, da, da da da, well, you have to do it my way. Wives submit to your husband's. Because it is the right thing to do in who? In the Lord. In the Lord. Children, obey. Reflect the obedience of Jesus who was died on a cross. It doesn't say obey your good parents. It doesn't say obey your parents when you agree with them. It says obey your parents. Honor them because you are honoring Christ in your obedience. Interesting. I'm read, um, yeah, reading through Deuteronomy. I think I said that last week. I'm still reading through De- Deuteronomy, and I read chapter 21 this morning. Very interesting text, because, you know, I sort of thought, well, but God, how does this apply? Because, you know, you, when you get out of the household, you know, you're not really, do you slap have to obey your parents? You know, the Bible is the same throughout. Thank God now you're going to hear what I say. Thank God for the cross. In Deuteronomy 21, it talks about disobedient children. And the way it describes these disobedient children, one of the two, there's four words, but two of them are gluttonous and drunkards. A 10-year-old is not drunk. Well, we hope not. But generally speaking, when do we get to be drunkards and gluttonous? When we're older. So the parents in Deuteronomy 21 can take that child, grown-up adult who is now being absolutely slothful drunkard, living life wrong, take him to the priest, and you know what they did to him? They stoned him to death. (sighs) As I said, thank God for the cross. I do not have to take Sean and stone him to death. He's not a drunkard or a glutton. (laughs) (laughs) But does does that impact you? It should. That this is the level of obedience that Jesus is speaking about. It's hectic. It's hectic. Slaves, obey your masters. You are joint heirs with Christ. Don't do lip service, you know, and look, you know, when the boss is there, when the boss has gone, ah, ah, you know, Yay, the boss is away, the mice will play. Why do we have that saying? Because that's what people do. Do you do it? Do you? Honestly, you sometimes, oh, well, the boss is not here. I can get in a bit late. I can, you know, have a longer lunch. I can sit on my desk with my feet up. I don't know. Do it as unto God. He's the one you're serving. He's the one you're working for. And they're talking slaves and masters. Keep on going back to the context. Has the scripture changed? No, he's still telling us we must do what what we're told to do. With all our heart, with all our energy. Because our inheritance, slaves, is not on this world, in this world. Our inheritance is coming. And he will make right what is unjust. Because we sort of excuse ourselves. Well, you know what, my boss, he's such a you-know-what. And he's so unfair, he doesn't pay me enough, blah, 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 blah. Therefore, why should I work hard? I'm going to take time off when I can. Uh uh. God will sort that out. It's not our rights. We work as unto the Lord. That was the powerless. Are we feeling uncomfortable? I hope so. Holy Spirit, make us feel uncomfortable. Soften our hearts. To the powerful. Again, in this context, the fact that Paul addresses the powerful. He doesn't say, oh, just well done, guys, you're doing so good. Husbands, masters, and parents, keep it on. No, he addresses them as well. Husbands, love your wives. I've sort of spoken into the context of that when I spoke about wives submitting. The Ephesian scripture says, lay down your life as Christ laid down his life for you that is the level of love that God expects of a husband of a husband use your power use your leadership to serve your wife Proverbs 3 verse 27 says do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. God has given you this position. Use it to do good to your wife. Love her like Christ loved the church. Parents, do not provoke your children. Easy to do because they are dependent on us when they're little. You do what I say because I say so. And I find in parenting, in my observation of parenting, in my own parenting, we we tend there are two extremes. One is the total disciplinarian, you know, shut up, do what I say, otherwise watch out. To the total other end, where it's just laissez-faire, whatever, do whatever you want, you know, just, just, just be, be quiet in your being, shove more food down their throat, give them more tablets, you know, tablets as in... Um, screens, that type of tablet, <laughs> drag them, <laughs> you know, put them in front of the TV, keep them distracted, you know, just so that you don't have to do anything with them. Uh-uh. We've got to discipline and encourage. We've got to find a healthy balance. We've got to use the rod, yeah, and we've got to provide the encouragement. That is what we do, should be doing as parents. And then I felt to speak a little bit deeper. What? What is the role of a mother? If we had to sort of understand the broad picture of mothering. The role of a mother, because you think she's the one who incubates the child, she's the one who nourishes the child, who does most of the early need filling. The mother demonstrates an unconditional love for that child in looking after the child. what is that? Why is that important? Because we are demonstrating to our children the unconditional love that the Father, our Father in heaven, has for us. It engenders in the child a sense of belonging, a sense of being, because I am loved unconditionally. And that is what we put as mothers into our children. What about the father? And yes, a father does love the child. But a father has a further role to call out that child, to name that child, to say, I believe in you. You can do this. Because wow. I'm I'm attending your sports, I'm being there, I'm I'm saying, yo, you're doing so well, keep on trying. Yeah, I know you can do better. We call them out and they become bold to attack this world and to be the very best that they can be in this world. Now, as a mother, I can quickly say, yo, I have failed so many times. And maybe as a father, the mother you can join with me, they say, "But, uh, I haven't done so good on that." And as a father, or maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, "I didn't get that." And I believe God wants to minister to us today in that area, profoundly. If you know there is a lack in you, and please, I'm, we're not bashing. Nobody is perfect. That's the reality. Not one of us as a parent is perfect, but we have a perfect father, and as any child, any age, we can look beyond our parents to our father God, father God who loves us with an unconditional love, father God who gives us identity, says, You're you are my kid, and you are so good, and I am so proud of you. Go out. Use your gifts. Be who I've called you to be. We are all loved and called out. But when there's hurt, in whatever area, I believe, and we'll have time for that then, God wants to touch you today, to take away that brokenness, that hurt, the final powerful role is the masters. It says masters provide what is right and fair. Masters need to treat their slaves in full knowledge that they have a master. God. Treat my slave because I have a God. And I'm going to one day give an account to God for the way that I treated my slaves. And guys, in this text, if you go and read it again and dwell on it, there's a wonderful Christian ethic of work, or work ethic. Christian work ethic. If you want a doctrine of work ethic, read these last few chapters, few verses of chapter three. What does it say to the employee? You know it. Work as for, as to, me, with all your heart. Guys, we should not be working for that paycheck at the end of the month. Now, hear what I'm saying? Obviously, we need to be paid. I'm not saying that. But if that is our goal, that's our ultimate for the reason we work, think again. Is it for ambition? Is it to be the top of my game? Is it to be the the best, whatever, accountant, best accountant in the world? That's my goal. I can use it because he's an elder. <laughs> Looking at Brandon. Is it to be a people pleaser, a boss pleaser? Because I want to be seen. I want to be seen by my boss. I'm such a good person. I'm, I'm the worker. I'm the one who's always there. I'm the one who's always doing my work on time. Never mind those other ones. What is our motivation for work? Our ultimate motivation for work is to do it as unto. God, with all my heart, as in, what is it then? It is a sacrifice that I laid down. God, I'm doing this for you. Yo, I need a reminder of that, hey? I think we all need a reminder. We get captured into this whole work, 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 work thing of, of this world. And what about the employee, employer? God has given you that position. God has given you That company, that business, are we doing it, running it, dealing with it for him to the best of our ability that God may be glorified? That is what this this text is saying in terms of our work ethic. And Holy Spirit says, how are we doing? How are we doing in this? That's essentially what comes out of this text. So I want to just, I believe, as I said at the beginning, this is for everyone. Whether you fit into the specific category, and some of us do, or whether, I guess we all fit in because we're all children, hey. <laughs> well, <laughs> but whatever, or whether you can say, but it doesn't really apply to me. You have relationships of power. Wives, submit. It's never too late. And it's good every day to try again if you fail in this area. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. As Ephesians says, as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents. Parents, do not discourage your children, employees, workers unto the Lord, employers, workers unto the Lord. Treat your employees in the way Jesus would treat them. And then as I mentioned in, in the preach, if you know, there is, and you know because, how do you know? Because the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, you, right now, right now. You were not loved as you expected when you look back, as you expected to by your mother. Or well, your father did not call you out. Your father did not name you and declare, encourage you and declare who you could be. If you know you need healing to, on that today, I encourage you to, to come up for prayer. So, Jermaine, maybe. Okay, he's up. (laughs) Thank you. Let's just take a moment. You know, it's easy to come to church. It's the same old thing. Hear the message. Go home and not allow him to change us. I want him to change me. I believe he wants to change all of us. I believe his arm is not too short. I believe he has a message for every single one of us because that's who God is. By his Holy Spirit, he convicts. I'm going to pray and then I'll let Duan close off the the message of this time. But please, if you know you need prayer today, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of humility before our God. Not before us. Not to do with us. It's humility before God. saying, I know, God, you're speaking to me. Oh, God Almighty, I thank you again for your word. Jesus, thank you that it is so real. It's so relevant to us today. 2,000 years plus minus since this was written. And you, Holy Spirits, quicken it in us. You put your finger onto the places where we are not looking to you, Jesus. And Lord, even though we fail over and over, your grace is sufficient. And you just keep saying to us, get up, go again, try again. Because I am with you. I will never forsake you or leave you. Never forsake or leave you. I am always there. I'm always loving you. I'm pursuing you. I want more of you because I love you and I know the very best that I have for you. God, that is what your word says. And Lord, I know for myself, I take it, I embrace it. Massage it into my heart, Lord God. May it not just be head knowledge. May it change me from the inside out. Oh God, and you know people here today who have been hurt. Oh God. You see the hurt. You know the hurt. You know when someone says why me? Why was I like why that happened to me? And Jesus today you are saying I want to put my hand I want to heal that brokenness. I love you. I've loved you from the beginning. I've loved you before you were conceived conceived in your mother's womb. And you are mine. And I call you out today. I call you out and I want to touch you. Come Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us. Change us. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the Church, please visit our website at lrchurch.co.za